Welcome back to It's Not You, It's the System, a podcast for getting self-blame, messy family stuff, and internalized oppression out of the way so that you can make the impact you're here for. I'm Lauren, and I'm your host. I'm an anti-capitalist, trauma-certified coach and writer for community change agents. So I mentioned on our very first episode last time that I thought I might use the first few episodes to just tell my story. And initially, that's what I wanted to do with this episode. But when I sat down to outline it, I was reminded very quickly that there's a reason I no longer really tell my story in one big chunk. For one thing, that's a lot to accomplish in one podcast episode or even several. Um, I'm in my 30s at this point. I know I'm not you know, someone who's lived a ton of life, but a lot's happened. And two, my story is objectively heavy. (laughs) I have a lot of trauma in my history as recently as a year ago. And while I'm often transparent about everything I've been through, which has been very healing for me now that I'm ready to be transparent and have been for the last few years, and I have no problem talking about my life in bite-sized stories, and I'm sure that'll come up on this episode, I don't know that sharing my story all at once or even over a few episodes is right for me right now. It starts to feel pretty overwhelming. And it's interesting that this came up because there was another topic bouncing around in my brain around managing and protecting our energy. It's something I tend to revisit as a theme around this time every year. And it just seemed like, oh, okay, I've wanted to talk about this anyway on the podcast. It's coming up in a boundaries workshop that I'm about to offer this weekend, starting this weekend. And I'm literally managing my energy by not, you know, pouring my guts out on this second episode of the podcast. So yeah, managing and protecting your energy. I think this time of year starts to feel pretty tough for a lot of us. A lot of folks are sprinting toward the end of the year. There tends to be some overworking, especially if you work in a field where you have to fundraise. There's all kinds of big pushes, deadlines, fucking Giving Tuesday, stuff like that. There are expenses we might do our best to plan for, but still feel stretched by, or maybe there's pressure to spend on gifts around the holidays, even if we don't value that or don't choose to do so. There might still be this unspoken expectation. There are elections happening in many parts of the country, and the stakes, especially now, are often so high, especially for the most marginalized folks, and it's normal to feel totally defeated and exhausted when you realize that the choices on your ballot suck no matter what you do, or worse, if a candidate you really believe in ends up not winning. Plus, the weather's getting colder, the days are getting shorter, and although personally I think I have reverse seasonal affective disorder, if that's a thing, where I don't really love the summer, I'd rather bundle up in the cold than feel hot and just sweaty and gross all the time. But seasonal affective disorder is a real thing for a lot of people. Actually, shortly before I finished my outline and decided to start recording tonight, I got a text from a friend who said that she's been struggling with that. So I know it's coming up for people right now. And then last but not least, at this time of year, it's also common for a lot of messy and perhaps little T traumatic or big T traumatic family stuff 
to be coming up. Even if you or your family don't celebrate holidays, and even if you don't spend any part of this time of year with your family, I find that a lot of us, myself included, still really struggle around this time because it can feel like everyone on Instagram is posting about how much they're loving hanging out with their family. I personally really struggle around this time with the family stuff because while there's been a lot of healing between my mom and me over the last year in particular, and shout out to our family recovery coach, Andrea Arlington, love her work. It's helped us so much. I'm still not close with my only sibling and her family. I became an aunt for the first time this year, and I still haven't met my niece. Um, Not for any like super negative reason, but we're just not super close, my sister and me. I'm estranged from my stepdad by choice, and that's a healthy decision right now. And then my dad just hasn't been well for the last few years. And I'm not close to any extended family either for, again, many good reasons. It's a healthy thing, but it still bums me out when I hear about someone's amazing aunt or the cousin they're super close with who's like a sibling or the best dad in the world stuff. I'm just, despite all the self-work I've done and the support I have, I still feel so jealous on many, many levels. So if you're like me and tend to feel drained maybe a little burnt out as the end of the year approaches, I really want to encourage you to spend a little time with your boundaries. I know this is a much covered topic. You may have already listened to a million podcasts on boundaries. Maybe you've read some books. Maybe you even teach about them in your own work. And I want to encourage you to keep listening anyway, because chances are if you're feeling drained and burned out, there might be a few boundaries that could use a tune-up. And there's a big difference, as you might know, between knowing something and being able to practice what you know is going to be the most caring, loving choice for yourself. So first, I wanna normalize that setting boundaries is hard for many of us, especially if you have any marginalized identities, which is, I'm guessing, pretty much everyone listening. Plus, we live under systems that socialized us from the time we were born to suck at boundaries. So if this wasn't your family system, I'm willing to bet that you've absorbed some bullshit from capitalism, patriarchy, white supremacy, or any other toxic system that you don't deserve to take up space, that your needs can't come first, that your purpose is to be of service and take care of others, that your only value is what you produce and how much money you generate. And if any of that sounds familiar, you're not alone. And it could also be something that you may not consciously have in your mind yet, but perhaps this podcast is planting a little seed. And if something is pinging for you, it might be a good opportunity to spend some time with it. Gently, of course. And to be clear, I'm going to say this again later, it's not your fault that boundaries are hard. Socialization is a thing. This podcast, It's Not You, It's the System, is all about it's not you, it's the system. I am not here to point fingers and tell you that you are a fuck up if boundaries are difficult. Also, you might not have the privilege of being able to set them or maintain them in every situation and relationship. So if paying your bills is dependent on maintaining a job 
where your boss is an asshole and violates your boundaries, I'm not telling you to set a boundary that'll get you fired. So again, because of socialization and systems of oppression, we learn that often it's not safe for us to set boundaries. It's not safe to speak up for ourselves. It's not safe to take up space to ask for our needs to get met. So even though I'm not asking you to set a boundary that's ultimately going to create a lack of safety for yourself, I would encourage you to ask for help from your community and take some action, any action that's available for you to get out of a situation like that. I'm also saying if we're still going with this example of a crappy workplace, that there might be some internal boundaries with yourself that you could set to make the situation like less unbearable for the time that you're in it until you can get out. And for some of you listening, there might be some boundaries that you've avoided setting because it's uncomfortable. And I say it this way because hello, it's me. It can feel really awful to disappoint people or to think that you're going to disappoint people. It sucks, especially if someone doesn't respond well to a boundary because they're not used to having to deal with one from you or anybody. They might make it about themselves. But ultimately, I'd invite you to choose which kind of shitty you want to feel. There's the kind of shitty that comes from disappointing someone, pissing someone off, or from disappointing someone else's expectation of you. And then what I would argue is the worst shitty. It's the kind of shitty you feel when you're continuing to abandon yourself and send yourself subconsciously that message that you don't matter that your needs are irrelevant. I would much rather feel that first one and disappoint people than disappoint myself. So today I'm going to share some tools on this episode for cleaning up boundaries and managing your energy, but getting the information isn't enough. It's the practice of what you learn and implementing what you learn from taking in this information that actually will create the change, the transformation whatever word you want to use. It's the action where the action is. I don't know. It's the action that matters. Maybe that's a better way to say it. And taking action is a lot easier and more sustainable with support and community around you. So before I get into the tool, I want to let you know in case you haven't heard, I'm actually offering a two-part workshop this Sunday and the next that's going to take a deeper dive into everything I'm talking about here. So it's called Boundaries for the Empathic neurodivergent and anxiously attached because I find that those of us who resonate with at least one, if not all three of those characteristics tend to really struggle with boundaries in different ways than other folks. Our nervous systems often react differently to rejection. There's actually something called rejection sensitive dysphoria that folks with ADHD really struggle with where if someone is hurtful or if we even perceive something as hurtful, our feelings get really hurt. It can really knock us out. And it's not a character flaw. It's just how our brains work. Um, We might also have nervous systems that react differently to abandonment or what is perceived as abandonment. Sometimes, especially if you've ever called yourself an empath or find yourself to be an empathetic person in general, which hopefully all of us are, that we might even unintentionally absorb other people's feelings without realizing it. And I've been in situations where I have to take a beat and wonder, okay, is this feeling a sign that our that my boundary setting is actually selfish or wrong? And then bring myself back to myself and say, no, 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 I'm just picking up this other person's 
energy, tension, feeling, emotion. I also find that for folks with these types of identities, we have to do a little extra preemptive nervous system regulation before we have conversations about boundaries. I do not recommend setting a boundary or having one of these conversations if you are tired, hungry. What is it? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt is what they call it in recovery. Um, Or if you are a morning person, try to have it earlier in the day. If you're a night owl, try not to have it early in the day, right? Like set yourself up for success with when the actual conversation takes place and also do it when you have a little time beforehand. Try not to squeeze in a hard boundary conversation or a tough boundary conversation um, between two highly stressful work phone calls as much as you can. So I think that this preemptive work too comes up when it comes to any type of practice. Any type of skill that you're building that's new for you is going to be easier to lean on in times where your nervous system is heightened because sometimes we have to set boundaries when we're not perfectly regulated and feeling great and had our you know coffee for the day. Um, and so the more preemptive practice you can do in what feel like low stakes situations, the better and the easier it's going to be in the situations that feel like higher stakes. So you can find the workshop info in the show notes. I'll link to it. It's sliding scale and both one hour sessions are going to be recorded. So if you can't make it live, totally cool. I do highly recommend joining us on the Zoom though, because you'll get a ton of support from me for discerning where your energy leaks are, those situations or relationships where maybe they need a setting or reinforcing of a boundary, as well as come up with some customized scripts for those conversations. I find if I know what I'm going to say, it's a lot less scary to have that conversation. And there's a lot of nuance too, depending on who you're going to be talking to and what you personally need to feel regulated in the moment. But for now, let's go back to what boundaries are to begin with, because this is a word that's thrown around a lot, especially in coaching spaces. They are defined as the limits and rules we set for ourselves within relationships. And those relationships, yes, are with others, and also with ourselves, with the world around us too. And as I emphasize in my coaching community, take up space. Boundaries are necessary for you to take up space. They are essential for trusting yourself because without boundaries, we're like these raw nerves or open vessels taking on stories and behavior, maybe even roles that we don't actually need to, things that don't belong to us. And it's really impossible to trust ourselves when we can't even feel out or discern what's my own thought and feeling, what's my intuition, what's somebody else's, what's cultural programming and conditioning. And also, by the same token, if you're really drained of your energy from overgiving, people-pleasing, overworking, it's almost impossible to tap into your own intuition and build that self-trust. And we set boundaries in a few areas, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, but the ones I talk about the most are physical boundaries, so that's like your body, possessions, spaces. For example, it'd be weird if someone just started going through your purse, like that would be crossing a very clear (laughs) physical boundary. There are mental boundaries or boundaries in the mind. This has to do with like beliefs that you decide you want to embody. Um, There might be old beliefs that you're uncovering and you're like, no, my boundary is I'm no longer going to put stock in this belief that I'm a problem, for example. It's also choices about what thoughts or um, intellectual input we're giving weight to. There are emotional boundaries. So, you know, how we express emotions 
emotional behavior. There might only be certain people you feel safe crying in front of. Maybe that certain person is your journal. And in most of Western culture, we have collectively decided as a society that expressions of anger should probably not go beyond raising our voices, right? Like if you start to put your hands on someone, you're crossing a pretty, uh, I guess, societally decided upon (laughs) boundary. Uh, when it comes to your emotions and your physical boundaries. And then relational boundaries. These are the ones I think we hear the most about and that I'll be mostly focusing on today, but not exclusively. This has to do, of course, with our relationships and the ways we distinguish self from other. And then last but not least, energetic boundaries. So where and how we choose to, quote, spend our energy or conserve it. This is a really important distinction that helped me, I guess, with my own boundary setting practice and changed a lot in my life in the last, I would say, two to three years. I heard Andrea Arlington say one time that boundaries aren't for trying to control anyone else's behavior, which we can't do anyway. If we're setting a boundary in an attempt to control someone, that's actually not a boundary. It's a manipulation technique or tactic. Boundaries are these limits we set for keeping ourselves safe in all of these ways, so physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. However, and this is the interesting part, others might change their behavior in response to your boundary if you aren't setting it to manipulate them into making that change, if you're setting it to keep yourself safe. And P.S., manipulation isn't always conscious or malicious. We've all done it. It's humans being human. We want to control what's around us to feel safe. So zero judgment, zero shade. One example for me around setting a boundary, I've done it in a few different ways. So um, in my family, there was a lot of fallout when I disclosed um, the sexual abuse that I experienced as a kid. And when I basically stopped being the secret keeper in every way, both in my family, but also in spaces where I've been sexually harassed, cyberstalked, other sexual assaults I experienced, my family was not set up with the support they needed to hear that and to not make it about themselves. Again, it wasn't intentional, but that's what happened. And as a result, I had to get to a point where I said, until we are getting help as a family or until I'm not the only one getting help, I can't be around anybody. Now, this was super painful and I did not have... The skills I have now with boundary setting when I initially set this going on, oh my gosh, like eight years ago, seven years ago, something like that. And then I was kind of in and out of contact with them over the years. And sometimes stuff would be fine in my family, sometimes it wouldn't. And then uh, when I got sober and started just getting healthier in all the ways and kind of re-examining my boundaries, I was able to get to a place where I could have some forgiveness but not like excusing behavior on the part of some of these folks who just weren't ready to hear the truth. So um, this ended up looking like, listen, I'm not trying to impose help on anybody. I'm not saying you all have to go to therapy. You have every right not to. Oftentimes people aren't ready. And because I can't be in a close relationship with anyone who is not well on the level that this family system is right now, I have to take myself out of it to take care of myself. You know, if something is messing with my mental health 
And nowadays, now that I'm married, if something's messing with my marriage, I don't fuck with it. So by setting the boundary in that way, it actually led to some family recovery this year. And it's been really beautiful. There's been a lot of healing for my mom and me. Again, thanks in large part to Andrea and her work and her support. And a lot of it came down to how I was setting boundaries. Again, others might change their behavior in response to your boundary. They won't necessarily do that. Not everyone is ready for that. Overall, though, Boundaries are one of the tools at our disposal for managing and protecting our energy, especially in high demand times when there's a lot on our plate, like this time of year, perhaps for you. And I want to emphasize again that boundaries are hard because systems are at work on us. It's not your fault if this is hard. It's not a character defect or a personal failing. And you probably have some power that you may not recognize yet to take action around your boundaries to make more room in your life, to feel joy, to have fun, to take care of yourself, to do all of the things that you're probably uh, wanting for everyone around you, not to mention your community and the entire world. Um, It's also gonna create more space and more energy for you to show up more fully in ways that are actually aligned for you. So here is one practice to help kickstart your boundaries work. So whether it's new to you or it's something maybe you haven't looked at in a minute or maybe you know what you're doing isn't working, I hope this helps. And I hope that you join me for the workshop because that'll really help you take action beyond this. We're going to begin here by finding your possible energy links, leaks, sorry, not links, (laughs) and stopping the bleeding so that you can feel more ease in your days. So we're taking an inventory here. I want to invite you to grab a journal, open a new Google Doc, whatever is going to allow you to write with ease, maybe find some quiet space and just write down every area of your life that comes to mind. So it could be work, family, social stuff. If you have an intimate partnership, maybe that goes on there. Hobbies, chores, money, anything else that comes to mind. And then under each of these categories, once you feel like you're complete and you've thought of as many as you can, I'll invite you to make a list under each of those areas of the different ways that you're spending your energy, your time, and other resources. And if you get stuck, really think through what your days have looked like over the last two to three months, if that feels too far to go back, because I know we all kind of black out after (laughs) a couple weeks. Maybe just look back on your calendar, maybe go like a month back, and just see what commitments you had Um, Even if they were a fun commitment, like what were you putting your energy into? What are the day-to-day things that you do that maybe are just part of a routine and you don't really think about it, but they still take some energy? I do find that for most people, until they see something on paper, we don't really realize how much is on our plate. I know I'm always surprised when I do this practice. And so once you've thought of everything you can that has to do with spending your energy, Let's look at these category bank category. So take one category at a time. So maybe start with work or family or whatever feels the most resonant at the moment and reflect on whether one of those ways you're spending your energy and resources one at a time is generating more energy for you or extracting energy from you. And whether it's generative or extractive, neither is good or bad. There might be certain activities that 
feel generative and great. There might be some that do take up your energy but still are rewarding in other ways. Um, there might be things that used to feel generative that now leave you feeling tired and maybe this is the first time you've noticed that. Maybe there's a friendship that was draining last year but now it's gotten back into balance. And if you're not sure, pause as you read the item and ask yourself, how do I feel when that energy spending activity is over? So if it's a friendship, for example, how do I feel when I hang up the phone with that friend? Or how do I feel after we hang out? And then consider grabbing two different color highlighters or markers and then underline as you go which activities are generative and which are extractive. I know it's cliche, but I like to use green for generative and like a red or an orange or even a yellow for extractive. And remember, extractive doesn't necessarily mean bad. Um, it just means it takes energy rather than taking energy and giving it back to you in a way that feels like an exchange. So for example, I hate cleaning the litter box. It's purely extractive and that doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. If you have kids, sometimes it might feel extractive. It doesn't mean you're going to abandon your kids. And now look back at everything that you've written and underlined. And by the way, you might be pausing this podcast to do this. I'm going through this relatively quickly so that this isn't an hour long. Normally in a workshop, we would pause and play some music. We might have a little discussion before we move on. But looking back through everything, start with the extractive stuff. So whatever color you chose, look for that. And notice if there's anything that's extractive and also it's not a commitment or an obligation that you need to uphold. So for example, you probably need to keep doing your laundry, but do you actually need to hold space every week for that friend who probably needs to go get a therapist instead of just talking to you all the time? And then with another color, so a third color or highlighter, for me, I like blue, go back through your lists and mark which items can actually come off your plate, either by delegating them, like maybe it's time to hire a virtual assistant or a bookkeeper, Asking for support from your community can be another way, like maybe you and your neighbor take turns doing school pickup. Or maybe it's something you let go of altogether. And this may not be only extractive stuff. There have been seasons of life where some of the volunteer-based things or like pro bono work I was doing felt very generative for my energy, but my bank account couldn't uphold it. It became extractive for my finances because I couldn't afford to work for free anymore. So get into the nuance, get into the gray, be gentle with yourself. And it's okay if you're not coming to a conclusion on everything that's feeling like tying a pretty little bow on this practice. That is what support from folks like me and your community and others is for, um, for working through those nuances and working through the sticky spots and then implementing the action that you want to take so that you can feel how you want to feel. So again, keep in mind, Boundaries Workshop this Sunday and next, we'll take this audit deeper. There will be conversation with other like-hearted people. You'll learn and practice some of those really helpful boundary scripts that for me have been so life-changing, so transformative for my relationships, and frankly have brought in new relationships that feel very generative, very balanced, very reciprocal. And then we'll end by creating your own action plan for actually implementing what you learn so that the rest of the year is as spacious and life-giving as possible for you. So we have one hour this Sunday, October 30th, one hour the following Sunday, November 6th. It will be recorded. So if you can attend one and not the other or neither, totally cool. You can always catch up on the replay. 
we're also doing something pretty exciting and new inside of my coaching community take up space next month. So on November 14th, we're going to spend 90 minutes as a group, essentially taking this boundary work a step beyond the workshop with intentional planning for 2023. And this isn't a space for like setting goals that you'll crush, although if setting goals is helpful for you, they're totally welcome. But this space is going to be more about getting our energy aligned and setting up some protective boundaries, both in a witchy way, but also in a, I guess, tangible (laughs) material way. And yeah, there will be some witchy practices, some reflection questions, and then of course, group discussion, just to set you up for a 2023 that feels spacious, supported, generative, regardless of how much you're going to have on your plate in the new year. So if you join Take Up Space before November 14th, you'll have access to that session. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. And if you want to get started with Take Up Space, um, you can check out the page on my a website and you can also book a free one hour change agent support call with me and we'll figure out if it's a good fit so i'll link that in the show notes too uh p.s by the way not for nothing but take up space has a super helpful module on boundaries and all the take up space members actually get free access to any workshop i offer publicly so if you know you want to do the workshop and you want to do that 2023 intentional planning might be a good time to join just saying Um, And last but not least, if you could leave a five-star review, it would mean a lot to me. Make sure you are subscribed. Leave a nice review if you feel called to. It means a lot to me and really helps to get the podcast in front of more people. So that is it for now. I'll be back next week. And in the meantime, take good care.